When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Time for Fan Mail Friday where we'll be answering your questions and dropping some knowledge and feedback to help you kick the weekend off right. If you're new to the Art of Charm podcast, this isn't a great place to start. Most of our content is more in-depth and longer formats, so check out the best of at theartofcharm.com slash best or the fundamentals toolbox at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. We'll send you all of this to your inbox if you text charmed, that's C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444. We've got the fundamentals of body language, nonverbal communication, attraction, negotiation, networking, and everything else we teach here at The Art of Charm. All right, let's cut to it. Dear Jordan, here's a real original problem. I have a thing for my best friend's girl. How would you handle that situation? Signed, bros or hoes? Hey man, this is actually really common. Here's the deal. Anything you think you have with your friend's girlfriend is almost certainly 100% in your imagination. But it's also worth thinking about whether or not she's this girl in the first place. Are they super serious? Are they just dating around? If it's the latter, you might actually be picking up on something. Of course, whether or not there are real feelings between the two of you is sort of besides the point entirely. You aren't the first guy to get a crush on his best friend's girlfriend or write a song about it, and you won't be the last. But what you have to ask yourself is whether or not you think what you might possibly, potentially, maybe have with this girl is worth losing what you have with your best friend. Chances are it's not unless you think she's the love of your life and you really don't value your friends. Basically, unless you absolutely positively can't live without her, leave it alone. And even, you know what, even if you can, leave it alone. Leave it alone. You will lose your friend. It's not worth it. I can't think of like any time that I know of that I even remember hearing about anecdotally that it's been worth it. So forget about it. Hey, Jordan, I love the podcast and thanks for the incredible work that you guys do. I've learned so much about why I am the way I am and it has helped me become a better person. These are the sorts of things that I wish I learned years ago. The issue is that I'm a 20-year-old college kid who doesn't enjoy being in college. I've never enjoyed being in school in the first place, and the only reason I'm in college now is because I don't have anything specific that I want to do. I feel like I'm that guy working a crappy 9-to-5 job saying to himself, what am I doing with my life? I've thought about quote-unquote taking the leap, but then thinking realistically, I have no income. But at the same time, if I'm in school, I'll feel miserable for the remainder of my school life. My question is, what would be a realistic thing to do? Thank you in advance. Signed, a college kid going through a midlife crisis. So this might be a controversial answer, but look, you, in my opinion, given what you have told me only and what you've said in earlier emails, leave college. 
you can go back. It will be harder to go back. It's not going to be the same as going straight from high school to college. I can't imagine becoming a student at a university again, just FYI, because I've been gone for so long. And remember, I, I went to law school after that. I graduated in 2007 from that. So it hasn't been that long, but I cannot, I could not go back. In the meantime, though, you're wasting your time even studying unless you're doing it in a way to discover new interests. If you're just slogging through it like I was, I suggest bouncing and getting a job someplace to get some kind of experience. You can work overseas, get some language skills, meet people, etc., or get a job locally and learn a trade or a skill, which could be really important and really useful. Then, if necessary, you can get a certification later. That's how people used to do it before colleges found out how to market better and then the government started dumping loan money to them to funnel students through their programs. You might find better luck with that route. Hi, Jordan. I'm a 31-year-old male and come from a down-to-earth family in the UK. It's just me, my parents, and two brothers. We've always got on well and never had any major drama. Recently, however, I became a father and had a baby girl. This was the first grandchild in our family. Leading up to the birth, everything was great. My parents and family were so positive and excited. After the birth, however, we announced the name, and it turns out they don't approve. Things have gotten really unpleasant. They've been ganging up on me and been very hostile. It's like they're throwing everything they can at me trying to force us to change the name, and it's really tainted all of my pleasant memories growing up with them. The tension has been amplified due to the fact that my wife and I live in the U.S., and our only communication is over email and Skype. Four months have gone by now, and my family still haven't seen our daughter in person since they canceled their original trip. The cultural differences between the U.K. and U.S. probably also has something to do with this being an issue in the first place, as I've discovered that it's difficult to find a name that is received positively in two different cultures. I don't know what to do. My wife and I love the name, and we think it's a perfect fit for our child and her personality. I feel I've been as calm as I can be throughout this, and I've told them that I'm sorry that they don't like the name, but I can't and don't want to change her name. We've bonded with her and her name. It would feel so strange to change it now that we know her. I've invited them to come up with their own name that they use, but they won't agree to it. I would really appreciate your thoughts and wondered how you would handle something like this. Thanks so much for the amazing show. Signed, Anonymous. Hey, Anonymous. Look, this is a ridiculous problem. Your parents are, unless there's some details that you're leaving out, I, I just, I almost, I almost, I just want to believe that there are details you're leaving out because this is insane. To have them make this big of a deal about a name, it's just completely, completely unreasonable. Uh, I can't believe it. Look, they won't agree to even give her a nickname. These, pe these people are weirdly controlling. I, I, wanna, I almost have follow-up questions about how you grew up and how they raised you and things like that, but it, it sounds like you've snapped out of that. Otherwise, you would have succumbed to what they want already. I just can't believe it. Look, there's two sides to this coin. They're being unreasonable. You should absolutely not give in to this. I don't get why this is so important to them. The question you need to ask yourself is, why is this so important to them? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Now, look, if you had been sworn to name your firstborn child after this war hero grandfather who brought your family and escaped from the concept, blah, 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 even then they shouldn't be this unreasonable. The fact that they are, it, it leads to me coming to the assumption, not conclusion, but I guess the assumption that they're just very controlling and they have to have things their way. And when they don't get that, they act like spoiled children and they don't, they cut contact and give you the silent treatment. On the one hand, that's not a great situation for your, your child. It's not a great situation for you and your wife, but you know what? 
when people act like that, they do it with other things too. And I think you're better off not letting them get away with it because it's like, unfortunately, it's like raising kids, which I think you'll figure out soon. If you let them get away with this, something else is going to crop up later that's going to be equally deal breaking important to them, like where you, like what color you paint your house or whatever. And you're going to be dealing with this forever. They will hopefully eventually come around and want to see their grandchild and want to see you. And if they don't, oh, it's just such a struggle. But I, I, I wager to say you're better off without people like this. I can't think of any good reason they would have to behave this way. If you can, let me know. Dear Jordan, I am completely crippled by approach anxiety. I can join a conversation and talk to a woman easily, but I just can't take the lead. This isn't a thing that's related to shyness. I'll talk to a woman if I have a reason to, but what I can't do is approach women that I don't know at a bar or a club and start talking to them. How do I overcome approach anxiety? Signed, Anxious Alan. Hey, Alan, uh, what we call approach anxiety is normal, very common. It has deep evolutionary roots, possibly does anyway. Back in our caveman days, approaching a strange person could get you killed. That rarely happens today. You're hardwired to worry about such things, however. At least that's the prevailing theory. But knowing where it comes from might not help you deal with it. So here's a few quick ways that you can smash this approach anxiety. Remember, failure is success. Every time you approach somebody, you should learn something. Getting blown out of the water isn't failure. It's a learning experience, and it can be really funny sometimes as well. Number two, fake it till you make it. We're huge fans of this at AOC. If you aren't confident about talking to new people, pretend to be for three weeks. Do whatever you can to pretend to be in that way. Your life will change, I guarantee it. I do this with a lot of skills, not just with approaching strangers or talking to people. I do it with speaking. I do it with performing in any way. You can't give yourself tactical skills by faking it, but you can forget about the fear. Number three, just do it. The biggest way you're going to overcome approach anxiety is just by going out there and talking to new people. Talk to them at clubs. Talk to them at work. Talk to them in line at the supermarket. Just talk to them. Number four, be more social in general. The same social skills you use to talk to new women, new people in general, the same ones you use to talk to everyone else. Make it a point to be more social generally. It'll pay dividends. And number five, keep your head up, both literally and metaphorically. Keep your head up. Walk tall. Keep at it. Even when things are hard, there's no shortcut to success here. A lot of hard work, but you can do it. And if you still have problems with it after you are implementing this, or if you have problems after implementing this, you send me an email. I've got more for you. And um, frankly, we can work this out at a boot camp in literally like two days. Hey, Jordan, I'm writing about a problem I think most guys would love to have, but I'm not really sure what to do with. I've been dating a woman for a while. We get on great. We have a great dates and similar life goals. I really admire everything that she's doing with her life. But of course, there's a problem or else I wouldn't be writing you now. My girl is kinky, more so than what I'm used to, which, to be fair, isn't very much. I'm a pretty plain vanilla dude. It's never taken much more than a good old-fashioned shag to get my rocks off. My girl, however, requires more than that, much more. I don't think I need to get into every little detail about this, but yes, there are whips and chains involved, fantasy scenes that I'm not the most comfortable with, and perhaps, worst for me, she's a submissive. She wants me to take charge sexually at all times. I should say that I'm not opposed to any of this, even if some of it does unsettle me a little bit. Is she a crazy girl and I just didn't pick up on it? What can I do to please her in bed? Signed, definitely not kinky in Portland. Hey, Portland. I'm glad you said you aren't opposed to doing any of this. It gives us a place to start. But more important than being opposed to it, are you into it? 
Does it get you anywhere near as hot as it does her? If not, she's going to know the difference. She's not going to like it. So don't get me wrong. I understand some sexual practices are a bit of an acquired taste for some people here. But if you're just freaked out by everything that she's into with no kind of sexual excitement, chances are pretty good you're not going to magically like them later on. On the other hand, if you're excited by what you two are doing and you're just a little nervous about it, it might just take you a little time to get comfortable with things. Now, a word on the quote-unquote crazy girl question, in short, no. Nothing about what you're telling me says that this girl seems crazy or unstable. Different strokes for different folks is how I like to look at these types of things. Provided that everything she's into is legal, consensual, and safe or can be made so, anyway, you don't have any cause for concern. Some of the most normal and together people are into some of the weirdest, strangest, most exotic sexual practices, and they won't hesitate to tell me all about it if given half a chance. At the end of the day, no one has much control over what gets them off. I mean, these are things, these are patterns that, who knows, they probably come from childhood, depending on which uh, psychotherapist you listen to from back in the day. And finally, as a man, I would advise that in general, You take on a more dominant role in all aspects of sexual activity, unless, of course, that's the fetish, right? And at The Art of Charm, one of the things that we teach is that men are the gas and women are the break, typically and generally when it comes to physical escalation. This is not a hard and fast rule. This is a generalization, but it tends to be a good starting point unless you and your partner decide otherwise. You should be pushing the interaction forward. She should be telling you where to stop. You Feel free, by the way, to do the same in the bedroom when it comes to this particular types of activities. Starting that with this woman sounds like it might be difficult for you, so take baby steps towards being a little bit more assertive in the bedroom, and you might see the dynamic change, a little bit anyway. I hope you both get what you're looking for. Keep it kinky, man. I'm writing to you anonymously because my problem is a little embarrassing for me to talk about. I've been listening to your show for a while and have gotten a ton of value. Thanks so much. Here's my question. Writing it is kind of long, but I tried to give as much detail as needed and not more. I'm new to town, living in a reasonably large western city with my wife. We live in a fun downtown area in a condo. I've been meeting people around our area, including one guy who I will call Steve. Steve is really cool. We share a bunch of interests. He is cultured and seems to know everyone around. He's the kind of guy who walks into any given bar or restaurant and knows at least a few people in each one. Best of all, he lives right in our condo building. When my wife and I hit it off with him, I was like, sweet, cool connector friend. So things were good and we hung out a few times. I know he's single and notice that he's constantly replenishing an orbit of women he's interested in. He dates multiple women and isn't looking for a partner. In other words, he's a bit of a player, but always seemed to be, you know, pretty classy to me about it. One night, he and my wife and I were out getting drinks, and I noticed he was doing many flirting and physical escalation moves with my wife, such as the friendly hand-on-shoulder move after a laugh was exchanged, etc., I started to feel uncomfortable, but I didn't really know what to do. I recognized this as a flirtatious behavior coming from him and being mirrored by my wife. I didn't mention anything at the time, but later I talked to my wife about it and told her that I'd felt uncomfortable and even a little humiliated sitting there with the two of them feeling ignored and excluded. She had definitely had a few drinks, maybe a few too many, and she told me she didn't realize that all that had been going on and had been unaware of her body language. Still, she acknowledged me and said she would be more aware of it. Fast forward a week, and he has two rather pricey tickets to a food tasting event, and his date dropped out. He invites my wife, as friends, to go, and she does. When they get back to our condo building, they're in the elevator when he casually invites her up to his condo for a nightcap. She declines, and the night is over. She tells me about this a week or so later. So here are my questions. One, what should I have done differently in the bar when I first noticed the flirting? 
Flirting is subtle, and I obviously didn't want to make a big scene, but I was definitely not comfortable. Second, dude, this is a neighbor, and I thought I was becoming friends with him, and he just casually asks my wife to come up to his place? WTF, man. Should I talk to him? Stop being friends with him? What? He's not a douche in other ways, but this seems sociopathic to me. Wow, uh, this is super inappropriate, actually. And it sounds like he's either jealous of what you have and this is motivating some behavior. I'm not going to try to get inside his head. All I know is this is really, this is not okay. And it could get worse. So what you need to do is talk to them both. And I don't mean like bang, bang, bang. Hey, buddy, what do you think you're doing? I mean, a little word in private while she's not around, um, you know, would be a pretty good move. And it doesn't have, not not in, in a private area where there's nobody around you have to barge into his apartment you don't have to invite him in yours but if you see him in the hallway you could say hey man look you know this made my wife a little bit uncomfortable just pull it back a little bit because the other i hate i love giving people the benefit of the doubt i feel like he doesn't really deserve it on this one but he might just be a little bit inept in this area i just i'm i'm i don't really believe that i think he did it on purpose but you also need to ask her how it made her feel now you can't prohibit her from doing anything, but she needs to be made. A, but she needs to be made aware of how it made you feel. She may also, and probably also, feels weird about it. So I think this is an issue that you can handle directly with her. She's a big girl. Hopefully, now if this guy does need to be made aware, in my opinion, and also if she feels weird about it, she should keep her distance because this guy. I'd hate to say this, but these types of things can escalate. I don't know what's in this guy's head. Neither do you, frankly. Uh, he could be a little bit more of a wolf in sheep's clothing, or at least now a wolf in wolf's clothing, so you might not want to just let it go totally unchecked, in my opinion. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed that. Don't forget, you can email us, friday at theartofcharm.com, and we've got something new. Our friends at Burner App have set us up with a call-in line now, so if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or a text us, you can do either to 415-429-1915. That's 415-429-1915. One nine one five. And if you need to stay on the down low or you just don't want someone to have your actual phone number, be sure to check out Burner at BurnerApp.com. It's the cool app. lets you make new phone numbers on the fly right from your smartphone and, quote, unquote, burn them when you're done so nobody else can use it to call you or stalk you or be weird about it. I did a video this week about emotional reasoning. We're going to talk about what it is, why it's dangerous, and how we can start to fix that thought pattern that we all have, by the way, everybody, including me, before it starts to control all of our decision-making processes. So if you're making some weird or bad decisions that you're regretting later, check out that video. A link to this blog post can be found at theartofcharm.com slash FMF53. Of course, we've also got the Art of Charm Challenge at theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text charmed. That's C-H-A-R-M-E-D to 33444. Become a better networker, increase your social capital, your charisma, and it's for both guys and gals. So check it out, artofcharm.com slash challenge. Quick shout out to Karina Belkin from Solutions Pharmacy out of Miami. She gave me a deodorant that is just life-changing. It's called The Rock. It's like this crystal deodorant, and I don't mean that in a woo-woo crystal way. It's like salt. This stuff is amazing. It doesn't, it's not goopy, it's not gross, it doesn't stink, doesn't burn, it works really, really well. Supernatural, basically just the most amazing thing. I've recommended this to like every friend of mine that will listen. 
Uh, Karina, thank you so much. And uh, we'll link to that product and to your pharmacy in the show notes. And Lou Camardo, who I met at the American Dream U event in Monterey on the Presidio of Monterey. He's an F-18 pilot who listens to AOC when he's not defending freedom against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Thank you for serving. Are you in a strange land listening to my familiar voice? If so, hit me up and I'll shout you out. More from AOC at theartofcharm.com. Now have a great weekend. Get out there and connect and leave everyone better than you found them. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and more at theartofcharmpodcast.com. 